Join Kristen Ace in conversations about shifting our perspective and being more connected in a conscious way with the earth, each other, and ourselves. Share in the laughter, light, and illumination of good vibrations. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Good Vibrations with Kristen. I'm Kristen. Hi, Kristen. And I'm Megan. Yes, this is Megan, my co-hostess. I like to say co-hostess because we are women. Hey, I like that. (laughs) Uh, Today, we have a wonderful guest, Caroline Fairless. She is an ordained minister of the Episcopal Church and an author. And welcome, Caroline. Oh, thank you. This is fun. Hi, Caroline. Hi there. Caroline. I haven't heard your voice in a long time, Megan. I know. I've been fortunate enough to meet Caroline. That's right. And she wrote a beautiful poem and prayer for the Green Divas. Oh, how great. Which I wish I had thought to, <laughs> you know, find, because yeah, I still haven't. I wish I had thought to dig it up, too, but I didn't. So that's, that's all right. Okay. That's funny more. Yep. Well, we're so happy to have you here today. Our... our um, through email conversations with Caroline, we decided that a great topic for the three of us today would be divine guidance, which seems to be a topic that everybody is really loving right now. So I think it's because it's timely. Well, then it must be, yeah, exactly, what people need to hear. I think so. Um, <laughs> and so, Caroline, what's your, what's your take on it? What, for you, what is divine guidance? Because for everybody, well, it's different. You know, everybody's is different, and I think that's what I love about the, the topic is that anybody can engage this topic and understand what, what that means for them personally um, without any right or wrong. And um, this may, I mean, the way that I think about the question of divine guidance in a personal way, mm-hmm. um, I ask the question this way, how does my sense of the sacred um, shape me, make me who I am, um, help me with my decisions and the way I look at things? Right. For me personally, um, it's pretty easy because I understand everything as sacred, everything. Ah. All the created world is sacred. And so um, the reason I say it's easy because anybody can live out their spiritual lives this way. I think whether or not they um, have to name it God or uh, Shiva or anybody else, mm-hmm. um, if 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 I understand the whole world is sacred, that's all that matters, and that that is what um, how do I say that? That's what informs my decision making and the choices I make and okay. my actions and behavior. Right. I look at trees. I think they're sacred. I look at water, body of bodies of water, the earth. The air, all of it's sacred to me. So, uh, and I agree with you. I, I believe everything is sacred, but we do get caught up in, in the everyday <clears throat> mundane or other people's behaviors or... Or dogs' behaviors. <laughs> or, or disappointments. And so how, I mean, for me, divine guidance typically comes through uh, to pull me out of a human experience that is uncomfortable or I'm not seeing the full picture. Mm -hmm. Does that? Yeah, I I would say that 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 rings true for me. And um, I think the first first thing that I really want to say, which has helped me enormously, 
um, and continues to help me, is my understanding, and Megan, this came through in my book. This was really what my book is about, I think. Okay. The most recent one is that humans... Caroline, can I interrupt you and ask you to give us the name of that book for, for our audience? Sure. It was called The Space Between Church and Not Church. Okay. That's right. the one I remember speaking with you about, yeah, I think, that's, right? that's the book that caught your attention. And right. the second half of that title is A Sacramental Vision for the Healing of Our Planet. So it's really that intersection of spirituality and ecology. Mm-hmm. So, you, go ahead. What happened for me in that book was I, I, I oftentimes write what it is I need to learn. And what I needed to learn in a, a more heartfelt way than just an intellectual way was that the human, the human species are not called, despite what scripture tells us, humans are not called out and separate and somehow set apart from or chosen from the rest of creation. We're all part of the same, the same elemental mix. And for me personally, once I began to understand that, that I was made of the exact same elements as uh, a potato or mm-hmm. a tree or a right. body of water, that's what, that's what helps me with um, when, when I'm caught up in something that I can't, um, that I'm having trouble with it, a real struggle. Maybe it's a relationship or maybe it's a, you know, a, a vocational problem or mm-hmm. any, any number, health problem, anything. Where I turn is to the world that's bigger than myself, which, in my case anyway, is the world outdoors, because that's that's where I'm taught. Right. And I can I can talk about that forever, I suppose. I, I um, but I I I find that I take my guidance, um, for example, by the cycles of the seasons, by the particularities of each season, by the um, particularities of earth and water, of sky, of sun, of growth, all of life and death, all those big concepts, you know, right. of right, life but and to, death and rebirth. But to how do you bring that down Interpret, into, in, yeah. into the human level? Because I, I, too, receive enormous amount of guidance and wisdom and support from from nature. So... I know for myself when, like this morning, so I had I had prayer last night and meditation and working with this book with a group of, of women and their soul writing and um, deep soul connection. And today when I got up, my black and white crow is sitting in, in the dogwood just waiting. And I know that this crow is different than other, the other crows that come because... He never announces himself. He just seems to appear. He is black and white. Wow. And he's got white feathers on him and speckles white on his face. And he never eats. And he just sits. And t- today, I, and he's, been, I, he's been coming for like two weeks now. And so I know just because I have a connection to animals that he's here to support me on my new quest. And to remind me that I'm part of the divine. So that's that's how I interpret the divine in my life in this morning. Well, that's that makes total sense to me. And I guess my next question would be, is there anything that you're learning from that black and white crow? Is there a message that's coming? Um, 
I'm not sure yet because, I mean, I know when I was in a meditation, the crow came to me as a shaman. Uh-huh. And transformed oh. as a sh- as a shaman Native American and and brought me guidance to pick a certain car to to I was looking for affirmation that um, that the divine was actually talking to me and I wasn't making it up in my head uh-huh. and, <laughs> and during that meditation the crow pops in and turns into the Native American shaman who is one of my guides and says pick a card from your tarot deck right now. And the card supported what I received as a message from All That Is. No subtle message there. No. <laughs> never. Never. Wow. My messages are never subtle. They're right. always like kablam. So am I, I'm learning from the crow that there is support and mystical guidance for me when I open myself up to it. And don't judge it or doubt it or... And, and knowing and trusting my intuition that this crow, even though all the crows that come always bring me a message from, of magic, this crow is, is, is special. Well, I think, I think you're quite right. And I think you just put your finger on, on that question of being open to the messengers that, that are sent. I have no idea who sends them. You know, I don't need to, to name it God. I don't need to name it Jesus. I don't need to name it anything mm. uh, necessarily you know, living within a certain tradition, of course, you begin to use that language. But Yeah, or you use what's easy. But I like all that is because that encompasses everything. I like all that is mm. in addition. You know, I do too. I, I really, really like all that is because it takes in animate life. It takes in inanimate, mm-hmm. like rock and stone. Right, and right. We don't really know that stone is inanimate. but Well, we don't I, because isn't it just that it's vibrating... Very, yes. very, very slow. Yes, of course. Right, right. I think of the ants in the forest, you know, the the wonderful trees that move very, very slowly. Right. But, but I love you, Crow, and I, 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 um, I have absolute faith that that Crow has been sent to you as a messenger. Yeah. And I'm sent messengers. We were talking right before we we um, we started recording. We were talking about rescue dogs, and I right. I have two, and I know that they have been sent to me in ways that I can't explain. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband and I never intended to get any more dogs. We lost a dog and we lost a cat in very short time period, and that was it. And then um, in a a very mystical, unplanned way, and um, I don't even need to describe it, my first rescue dog arrived, and I knew that she had come to me for... Um, for a partnership and really a spiritual partnership. You know, but I, w- I would love, Caroline, I would love to, for the audience to hear that story from you because I think I think these things happen to us all the time and people don't think of them as mystical or um, magical or, or a gift from all that is. I, I, I think um, they just I go, oh, you know, I, I found a dog. and So yeah. please tell us that story. I'll tell you that story, and I'll tell you another couple of... I love talking in stories. <laughs> I think stories actually help understand what I'm trying to say. Right. When you, when you have a profession in the church, it's very odd because, you know, you learn how you're supposed to talk about things, and it doesn't necessarily actually fit your experiences, even though you have the right language. It doesn't necessarily accomplish what you need it to accomplish. That's right. It's, it's, a, it's a fine line you walk. But um, we lost our dog to lymphoma. Uh, 
Hmm. And we lost our cat to a coyote. Oh. Both oh. in a very short period of time. And I was, um, I was brokenhearted and was not going to get another dog or a cat. Um, but our vet had, our vet had been wonderful over the dying of this dog. And she'd come to the house to, you know, for her last hours, and mm. we celebrated her life together. And I mean, our, our vet is is terrific. Yeah. And so, in the six months that followed Missy's dying, um, it had always been in my mind to go to my vet, give her a hug, tell her I was fine, check in with the receptionist, who's a good friend, and um, I, I, it would always fall through the cracks, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It was always on my mind, but it would always fall through the cracks. Right. And I'd get home, and I'd say, well, do I want to go out again? No, I don't. So one day I decided, okay, this is the day I'm going to do it. And I stopped by, and I gave Liz a hug, and I gave Beth, the vet, a hug. And Liz said to me, um, are you going to get another dog? And I said, no. And she said, oh, well, that's too bad. We've got this little sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a dog for you. <laughs> and she told me about it. She was badly abused, and she was a mm. runaway. Mm. She was a local dog. And um, and I heard this story, and I said, well, you know, I really hope you find a good home for <laughs> her. <laughs> Not knowing, of course, that it was your home that the dog had come to inhabit. <laughs> Not knowing yet. <laughs> but I think everybody else knew. And, right, right, right. And uh, so Liz, knowing me, she said, well, you just want to meet this dog? Oh, she's so smart. Kiss she's of death. So I went Kiss of love. Callie, yeah. um, Callie was really shaking in her cage. Mm. And she turned her face to me and licked my hand. Mm. And um, as it happens, you know, the, the, the things that we would co- call coincidence if we didn't understand something bigger at work. That's right. Is that it was that particular day that I went to visit. And it was that particular day that Callie had lived out her 10 days, which she is required to do, while the, the vet calls all the adjoining police and, and veterinarians and animal hospitals to see who's missing who. Right. And nobody right. claimed Callie, and it was on that day <laughs> that I just, after six months, I mean, who can explain that? Right, and, well, um, and that is your, that's the divine guidance to say, okay, today is the day that I'm going to go to the vet, and that's the day that Callie... Was waiting for her rescue. Yeah, she was ready to come home. And I don't have, you know, I have no rational explanations for that, and I don't need them, but I know them to be true. Right. And, you know, when I say that I I believe that everything's sacred, here's another quick story. Okay. Um, My husband Jim and I have been doing some remodeling on our house in, uh, in New Hampshire, and one of our goals has been for years to put solar panels on our rooftop. Yes. In, um, in order to be eligible for the tax write-off and state rebates, yeah. that solar system has to be functioning at 80% of its capacity. And in order for that system to function in 80% of its capacity, we had to cut down three trees. Oh, oh. Trees don't cut down trees. Right. And oh, I, boy. I really had a hard time with this. Yeah, and I would have too. The intellectual part was, well, does the, the, the uh, solar energy offset the photosynthesis? Right. Mm-hmm. Here's, right. Here's where science and spirituality join, and this is where I love to live, because we can't live without the science. No, we can't. We need, we need both. We, we they need must both. meld together. 
exactly. And so I stewed over these trees, and finally um, I was, in fact, persuaded enough, although I was still ambivalent, that, that, um, that the carbon offset with the solar system would, in fact, be a good choice, mm. intellectually a good choice. Mm-hmm. And I was still grieving these trees. Yes. What we did with those trees, rather than just have them carted off, we had them milled, and they have become flooring and shelving for our new porch. Aww. The giving trees. Yeah, but what a beautiful way to bring everything around full circle. So we're we're still honoring the tree, and the tree then becomes part of, instead of our home outside, it becomes part of our home inside. And the branches have become part of my garden beds. Oh. And so, you know, I like to think in terms of new life forms. And, right. You know, religions are are really built on very common ground in so many ways, particularly like the cycle of life and death and rebirth, mm-hmm. life and death and rebirth. And so when I look outside um, to see the natural cycles of, of the passings of the seasons, for example, or the life and natural death of a tree and what comes in its place and... Um, when I think of how how trees just just take trees for one example, this is so fascinating to me. Most of their community building work <laughs> is done underground, right. right? And the root systems of trees are interconnected one with another, and they feed each other. The stronger trees feed the weaker trees underground through the exchange of nutrients at, at various places where their roots intersect. I had, did not and know that. And when a tree is cut down, the underground root system continues to nourish its community of trees. And I find this, I just find this such a way of life. And so when I say I take my guidance from something like that, it's um, what I'm really saying is that I try and look at how trees form community and nourish one another, right. even in ways we can't see. You know, and, I have oh, never... I want to be like that. I've never thought of it that way. No, and I I'm, never have I'm, either. I'm a total tree hugger, you right? know, mm-hmm. unabashed, and that's fine. Well, but I've ne- never considered the word community with how trees that's right. work together to create a forest or a grouping or whatever. Yeah, I've never... And they really do. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because... Um, during during Sandy last year, we or was that last year or the year before? Last year, yeah. Last year, so the year before was Irene. Yep. Uh, we a tree split in half in my yard, just split right down the middle. It was horrifying. I was so upset, and um, it, my brother-in-law, who's a landscape architect, said this tree is going to have to come down because even though it will live, it's only one-sided, and and. A good strong wind is going to take it out, and it's going to uh-huh. basically fall on your house. So uh, we and we replaced the tree. But what he said to me was, "We never grind out the stumps, Kristen. We never uh. grind out the stumps, and we don't pull out the root system because beneath the ground is there's a whole ecosystem happening around those roots. That exactly. if you grind that out, that kills the entire ecosystem. All oh. the bugs, the ants, the everything that's Absolutely. going on there." So what we did was we planted our, our this beautiful cherry tree over and in and around that root system. So the the cherry tree will grow its roots around the old right. roots. And I, I didn't I just thought it was the ecosystem, but when you say community they will be the old tree will still be feeding the new tree while she gets established. 
Mm-hmm. I love. I see. Uh, that's that gives me goosebumps because that's um, that's what's available to all of us. I think. Right. If we can be open, and you've said that word open twice now, and, and you're absolutely right. Well, it is uh, a willingness to. Um, it's 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 actually very Native American yes. theology, if you think about it. Yeah, that's where it's, I'm definitely. Every, um, how ecosystems work, and right. how we're part of an ecosystem, not above it, and 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 not mastering apart it, apart from it, right? Right. And it means that we do not have license, which we take all the time to right. be destructive things without even a clue as to the systems that right. are at work. Right. Well, and I, the thing I, 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 when I go back to divine guidance, I feel like there is so much more um, of an awakening around our actual natural environment and knowledge that is being brought forth specifically by the divine so that we understand without a shadow of a doubt that we are connected to every single living thing on this earth, including each other. And that I was doing a meditation last night and uh, the guidance that came through said, you will find me, Kristen, in a blade of grass if you are willing to set yourself aside and become one with that grass, I will show you the world in a blade of grass. And I was blown away by that. Wow. You know, I just, I honor you so much with that story because you're, you're correct. And, you know, that, that divine is, is in a, a beetle. Yeah. Or a, a leaf or, or anything that we're, that we humans, I think we've lost so much. It's, it's very costly being human, I think, because yeah. we don't understand what you just said. Well, it's costly when I, I can say that I had a, a, an inkling of this my whole life and I felt lonely and lost my whole life because I hadn't allowed myself that vision. Mm-hmm. You had made that connection. Made that connection. And when that connection started basically blowing through me, and I started, again, to open and see and feel and be part of, there was a, for me, it was, it was easier to live in the world. And I felt, uh, I am guided. I am taken care of. I, I am going to listen to the words that have poured out on this piece of paper and look at grass differently mm-hmm. and, not, and not as a thing to cut and do and, you know, um, you know, put pesticides all over because it needs to look a specific color at a specific length and blah, 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 blah. Exactly. Exactly. But it's, it's again, it's allowing, it's an allowing and it's a choice, I think, to listen and to hear. Well, I go back to sometimes, I, I, I've said this before, but I think, and we've talked about this, remembering. Because mm-hmm. I think we know. I yes. think ourselves know. Yes. Right? Yes. I think you're right, Megan. Absolutely right. It is a remembering. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think these things, like just even what you shared about the tree community underneath, now now our entire audience will learn something that they may not have known before and say, wow, I hadn't considered that. Well, or at least have another uh, perspective, perspective to consider. Because mm-hmm. that's, I, I'm going to meditate on That's a whole, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, a... You know, and and here's where the science comes in, because, you know, it's easy enough to say, I think, yeah, we're all connected. We're connected to every everything, 
you know everything is interconnected but when you when you when you begin to bring the science in um, just beginning with the galaxies and the stars just take the Milky Way galaxy you know um, a, a star is born and for a very long time it maintains a balance. Hey, that's a good title for a movie I'm sorry I couldn't help myself <laughs> Oh, that was really bad. I know. I'm sorry. I could not help myself. I was, I was secretly thinking about Barbara Streisand in that very uh, moment. Sorry. Oh sorry, God, Caroline. No. <laughs> I have this mantra now called, the stars are our ancestors. Ooh, oh, I like wow. that. And what that says to me is that um, if you think of the, the life and death cycle of a star, when a star you know, falls in upon itself, it explodes, and it sends out all the elements into the galaxy, all the elements like of gold and carbon and nitrogen and hydrogen and oxygen, etc. And that is the composition of everything on this earth. Right. You know, a plant or a tree or a human or a dog or, right. or um, a piece of grass. So really all of that is stardust. And, you know, we can, we can wax romantic and say, yes, we're all made of stardust, but the science now is proving it. Of course that. And mm-hmm. I, it just, so when I look at, a, at a, a, a beet, which I just pulled out of my garden not too long ago, I look at that beet and understand that I'm made of the same stuff that this beet is. That's right. You know, and I, so when I eat this beet, which has had no pesticides, obviously, well, not obviously, but I go yes, without pesticides. So I, I think when we, I eat this beet, gather. I'm, I'm taking into this myself the things that would nourish myself. Mm-hmm. You know? And so when we drink from toxic streams and when we eat... Vegetables with um, with pesticides, mm. and when the pesticides are in our waters, right? We're eating all of that. We're becoming toxic like that. So when I think about things, because everything on this earth is made from the things on this earth, which is made of stardust or whatever, however mm-hmm. you want to take it back, that means even pesticides and all of the things that we consider, you know, plastic and all these these things, they're all made from originally. So it's how we manipulate, how we work with the resources we have here. That's mm. really well said. I agree. Wow, that was actually a very profound statement, Megan. Thank because you. Because everything that, I mean, the, the plastic that we loathe or whatever, you know, we're always trying to get rid of plastic. I know, but, you know, you can't can't live without it. That's that's a whole another episode. But, but then how do we, so it's how we experience our elements and whether we do choose to experience them in a divine way and see them as divine or if there's just things to do, manipulate. Be- like when I think of pesticides and chemicals and pharmaceuticals and things that I don't particularly like right. and I try to avoid and right. I think are bad for me, mm-hmm. I think, but, um, you know, they're just a manipulated version of, what of elements right. and things that they're provided here because they, they uh-huh. all came from here somehow. Right. The ideas came, but there is a, I think there is a way to um, to work within our, our nati- nature community in the way that Mother Nature herself intuitively knows how to handle pests and um, food and and that's the that's the divine remembering that we are not that we are awakening to right now. Yeah. Let me get that all out. Um, and that's where, divine guidance comes in it's again how are you perceiving things so i like caroline what you said it's all easy to say yeah we're all connected we're all connected 
But you know, on the day-to-day world, I don't always feel that way. I really don't. I feel like, you know, people are yelling at me or this person is pushing my cart out of the way or my neighbor is spraying pesticides right next to me. And I'm try- and I've explained over and over and over again that this goes into the water, the water goes into our system, we eventually die. It, it, you know, I, the short version. Yeah, I'm a, I can be a little intense when, I, when I'm trying to get a point across to people. And then I feel like oh, we're not all one. But then I remember the Fibonacci spiral. Mm-hmm. And that um, spiral is in every living thing on this planet. And that yep. just is not, that's too big to go. Oh, that's a coincidence, yeah, right? right? Like, right. like even a non-scientist person could go, well, that's pretty profound if that is in every living thing on this planet. Well, Kristen, I want to go back to something that you said about um, the natural world knowing how to take care of itself in terms of pests and, and overpopulations of one thing and underpopulations of another thing. And um, what struck me is that there's a, there's a permaculture gardening move movement, I would call it, which does exactly that. It tries to, um, gardeners who are permaculture gardeners are are trying to explore the ways that, that, um, that the natural world does in fact deal with its own pests. Mm -hmm. And and how can you, how can you bring your garden to a state, to a more natural state where, um, where the pest control or the organic, you know, the fertilizer is happening uh, in a in a more natural and organically emergent way. Right. It's really interesting too. To, I mean, I do a lot of gardening, and so I'm very aware of bugs and how to use natural means to um, hold down certain pest bug pests, the ones that eat all my cucumbers. You know? <laughs> right. All right, everybody. We're going to take a quick break here. Um, this is part one with Caroline Fairless, and. Uh, we we will continue. and we're going to leave our listeners on a cliff for a couple of days unless they're listening to it after they're both posted. That's right. This is good stuff. It is. It's very exciting. And we will be back next week with part two. So, thanks for hanging in there with us. Bye bye. I love you. To hear more great interviews and stories by Kristen, please visit goodvibrationswithkristen.com or. Find, like, and share Good Vibrations with Kristen on Facebook. And tell Kristen about your inspiring stories.